Nice to have you with me on a Friday. We tackle life podcast time. I'm Bruce Cooley. Glad to have you along. Buckeyes against Purdue. That's coming up Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Michigan plays Penn State. We got the Browns against the New England Patriots and NFL News. Cam Newton back with the Carolina Panthers. Appreciate you guys joining me. Send me an email. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. You can also uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play. You can leave me a review. That would be awesome. And first and foremost, let me remind you that it would also be awesome for you to get 15% off Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee by going to their website and ordering their phenomenal coffee, every bean handpicked from around the world, Indonesia, Thailand, Nicaragua, other foreign countries. Paul's a very discerning buyer. He only buys the best. He ships it to you free on orders of $30 or more, and you can get more for your money when you use that promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps because, well, why would you pay more when you don't have to? Hemisphere, located in Mechanicsburg, Ohio, but bring it right to your doorstep. That's the way I would go. They're phenomenal. They're coffee Cover Crop Cocao makes a delicious dark chocolate-like substance that is non-GMO, sugar-free, gluten-free, all the freeze that you want. Why not do it today? Order from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. All right, let's get right to it. The Ohio State Buckeyes against the Purdue Boilermakers. Oh, my. We see visions in our head of how many different Purdue Boilermakers. You see Rondale Moore, for sure. You may see... Uh, Ryan Kerrigan. And if you're really, really old, you may see Ernie Schreemeyer. Yes. I don't probably don't need to tell you who Rondale Moore is. He was the star of Purdue's win over Ohio State in 2018. That is the last Buckeye Big Ten defeat. That's their only defeat that season, but it kept them out of the college football playoff because they were roundly and soundly beaten by Purdue. Uh, 40 to uh, 29. Was that the score? Uh, I might have it confused. Anyway, uh, they got pounded at Purdue. And they also lost at Purdue when Terrell Pryor was the Buckeye quarterback and Ryan Kerrigan wreaked all kinds of havoc from his defensive end position. And way back in the day, long before Ohio State was, you know, nearly as good as they are now, but early in the John Cooper regime, Purdue came into Ohio Stadium, which is what they'll try to do Saturday, and they flummoxed Ohio State. Word of the day, flummoxed. They flummoxed Ohio State with like 14 dump passes to a previously little-known and heretofore never heard from again fullback named Ernie Schreemeyer. So Purdue always seems to find a hero. Well, not always, but intermittently, like every decade or so, they find a hero and... Maybe that guy will be David Bell, their wide receiver. Maybe that guy will be Aiden O'Connell, their quarterback. I don't know, but Ohio State knows all about them, and they should know all about them because Purdue has beaten, what, number two, Iowa on the road, and they've beaten number three, Michigan State at home. That's where the 40-29 to score comes in. They beat Michigan State 40-29 to last week. Their win over Iowa was even more dominant. It wasn't in doubt hardly at all, 24-7. to October the 16th in Iowa City. Can Purdue beat three top 10, top five teams in a year? Answer, no, they cannot. They have no running game. They throw short pass, short pass, short pass. They'll complete a lot of passes. Here's my guess on Aiden O'Connell's line in this game. He will be 32 of 56 for... 287 yards, 
two touchdowns, five sacks and a fumble. Five sacks and a fumble. That's my guess. Uh, Buckeyes will win the game comfortably, handily. They will win it uh, 50-something to 20. And they will sail off into the sunset getting ready for their season ender against Michigan. Uh, C.J. Stroud will have a big day. Garrett Wilson coming back from his concussion that kept him out of Nebraska will have a big day. And Purdue just doesn't have a running game. you got to have a running game. Will Ohio State have a running game? That's a question. They haven't had much of a running game other than one big run against Penn State and really not much of a running game at Nebraska. I don't know why Ohio State is throwing it as much as they were at Nebraska. Uh, Interceptions, two by C.J. Stroud. Failure to get the ball in the end zone when in the red zone. That's been a problem against Penn State and uh, and against Nebraska. My assumption is Ryan Day has worked on that a lot, stressed that. Purdue's defense is not stout enough to stop that. And so you will see more Ohio State success in the red zone against Purdue as the game wears on. Uh, Otherwise, around the Big Ten, I mean, the headline game is without a doubt is uh, Michigan and Penn State. I expect Penn State to win that game. I do not think Michigan is a very good football team. I was not surprised at all last week that they could not hang on and win at Michigan State. Um, I don't think they'll give Ohio State much of a game. I think this is the problem. If I were a Cincinnati fan, and I'm not, a lot of you think I am a Cincinnati fan because I say things like, where would Notre Dame be ranked if Notre Dame was undefeated? Well, they would clearly be ranked ahead of Ohio State. So since Cincinnati is undefeated and they won at Notre Dame, why is Cincinnati not ranked ahead of Ohio State? Why are they not ranked ahead of Alabama? I, I mean, I, because they're Cincinnati, but that's not supposed to be a viable answer. So that's why I say, you know, Cincinnati's getting screwed right now because they are getting screwed. I know there have been teams in the past that you watch and you say, well, that team would get smoked by Ohio State. I'm not sure Cincinnati would. They have a very good defense, very good corners, very good pass rush, and that's what you need to keep up with Ohio State. And they also can score. And that's what you need to keep up with Ohio State. So I don't think Cincinnati would be embarrassed by playing Ohio State or Alabama. I think at this point, everybody looks like they'd be embarrassed by playing Georgia because Georgia is just smoking everybody and nobody can score on Georgia. But I want to see Georgia play Bama and I want to see Georgia play Ohio State. And we already saw Georgia play Cincinnati last year and Cincinnati gave them all they wanted. So before the Buckeyes and Purdue kick off at 3.30, we will get to know whether Michigan is a team that, eh, legit, right? Got to go on the road, got to play Penn State. Noon kick, and that'll tell me a lot about Michigan. That'll tell me a lot about Jim Harbaugh, because Harbaugh most assuredly lost that game from ahead last week against Michigan State. When you're up 16 points in the second half, you cannot lose that game. You cannot put yourself in a position to lose the game by inserting J.J. McCarthy on the first series after he fumbled for him to fumble again to Michigan State. Right there, right in that moment, I'm like, they're losing. They're losing. They still had to give up another touchdown. They still had to give up a two-point conversion. They got a three-point lead after that, and they had to give up another touchdown to Michigan State. But in that moment, when J.J. McCarthy fumbled, Michigan showed you they are not a mentally tough football team. They might be mentally tougher than they were a couple years ago. I think they are. I think they're improved. I think they have some good things going. I think their defensive coordinator is a good coach. But I do not see yet in Michigan 
the ability to dominate a football game at the point you have to dominate the football game to send a message, we're not losing this game today. We're just not, okay? You got a touchdown. You got a two-point conversion. You think you're coming back on us? We're going to stop you. Or after you score, we're going to stop the two-point conversion. Or after we go ahead by a field goal, we're going to stop you. No, none of it happened. And I believe that they were seeing ghosts, hearing footsteps after J.J. McCarthy fumbled. That is the one thing that Ohio State does not do. That is the one thing Alabama does not do. I don't know about Georgia because I haven't seen them under duress. But good teams don't hear ghosts and don't hear footsteps. And I think Cincinnati's a good team. I think Ohio State's a good team. And I think Alabama's a good team in Georgia. Those are your four in the playoff to me. Oklahoma's a fraud. They play in a fraudulent league. I don't know why nobody in that league plays defense, but nobody does. They're they're a Jenga game, waiting for like somebody to pull one block out, and bye-bye, down comes the whole operation. Uh, they're playing at Baylor on Saturday, noon kick. There's, you know, two, well, actually there's like three pretty good games at noon. There's Michigan and Penn State. There's Oklahoma at Baylor and Mississippi State at Auburn. The last one, yeah, But those first two are legit games. Then your best game at 3.30 is, of course, it's got to be Ohio State because that's the game everybody cares about. Then at night, eh. I mean, TCU with Gary Patterson leaving, will they be fired up to play Oklahoma State, number 10, maybe. Washington State at Oregon. I know all Ohio State fans are rooting for Oregon to lose. Washington State, eh. They're five and four. I mean, they're not bad. They uh, they had some adversity with Nick Rolovich being fired by former Ohio State SID Pat Chun for refusing to get vaccinated, but they have uh, pulled it together since that time and played pretty well. So maybe they've got a little something something going on. Um, bounce back. 34-21 win at Arizona State. That's a pretty impressive win after they lost close to BYU in the first game after Rolovich was fired. So maybe, but the fact that the game is played in Eugene, I would say no. Oregon will probably win that game. A reminder that the law firm you need to remember and the law firm you need to hire or at least consult if you're in a situation where your legal rights are in jeopardy is Willis Spangler Starling. Willis Spangler Starling is located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. They do phenomenal work with every big set of cases in sections of the law that comprise most of the time uh, that our courts occupy themselves with. That would be wills and estate planning, probate, personal injury. That's a big one. Get in a car accident. See how many letters you get from attorneys. Don't hire any of those attorneys. Hire Willis Spangler Starling. They're legit. Also, uh, Social Security disability workers comp cases like that. Willis Spangler Starling, they are willing to give you a free consultation as a We Tackle Life podcast listener. They are um, willing to take some cases on a contingency basis. So check them out online, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Okay, Browns are on the road against the New England Patriots. Mm, Danger game. Danger game. You're feeling really good about the fact you beat the Cincinnati Bengals and you beat them like a rented mule. And now you go to New England, and look, it's not as much drama as it used to be with Bill Belichick coaching against the Cleveland Browns. You're not going there to play Tom Brady. You're not going there to play Rob Gronkowski. But you're going there to play a rookie quarterback. So do you take a rookie quarterback seriously? Mm, I don't know. Mac Jones is pretty good. Mac Jones, pretty good quarterback. 
And New England's not a bad team. They can jump up and bite you. They're 5-4, and four, the same as the Browns. So why would you go in there and take them lightly? Um, I think a lot of people gave up on the Patriots when they lost their opener to the Dolphins. But they've bounced back pretty well from being 1-3. and three. They won at Houston, although not that impressively, by three points. Lost to the Cowboys by less than a touchdown. And now they've won three in a row. And to win on the road at San Diego, excuse me, at L.A., 27-24 over the Chargers, they've pounded the Panthers, they've pounded the Jets, they made Sam Darnold look horrible. I know, Sam Darnold, but I'm just saying, they have a way of making quarterbacks look bad. Bill Belichick has a way of making quarterbacks look bad, and so they better pay attention Sunday at 1 o'clock. What will their running back situation be? That's the question. With Demetric Felton and Nick Chubb both having tested positive for COVID, both needing to have two negative tests before they can return to the team, even though both have been vaccinated, uh, I don't know. You're going to go in there with just Dearness Johnson because you don't have Kareem Hunt available. So the Browns are thin at running back. And what does thin at running back tell you? Oh, we'll throw it a lot. What have I said about the Cleveland Browns and their um, – chance of success when they throw the ball a lot. I I don't love it. I absolutely positively do not love it. Now Baker Mayfield has a foot injury. Uh, this kid, uh, I mean, quarterback's a position where you get beat up, but um, strange. And then also Donovan Peoples-Jones missing practice on Thursday. Um, strange. Wasn't listed on the injury report. Missed it for personal reasons. Do you want to miss a major day of practice like that? No. I just this game has a lot of warning lights on it. So, but if they go in there and win, it's a great win. It's not just a great win because it's hard to win in the NFL any week. It's a great win because you conquered all those things. You paid attention to business. You didn't get caught up in, hey, look how great we are. We beat the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. No, you paid attention. The Browns have a tendency to fall in love with themselves after they do something good. And can't afford to do that. Can't afford. You're not good enough to do that, all right? So just pay attention to your business and don't get caught up in it. By the way, there's one bit of business you need to pay attention to until I think it's December 5th, December 15th, maybe, open enrollment for health insurance. If you're an individual, now's the time to take a look at your health insurance. Oh, doesn't that sound fun? Hey, let's go to a website. Let's check out this company I heard about. Let's check out Humana. Let's check out this. Let's check out that. Let's check out this new ad I saw on TV. Wow, they say I can get money with my Social Security check. Wow, they say I can get this, and it's free, 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 free. Yeah. How do you know whether that's true or not? I'll tell you how. You go to the website, auinfo.com. You let them answer your questions because they are not biased toward any company. Why are they not biased toward any company? Because any company that they put in front of you, evaluate, analyze, give you the details on, that company will pay AUI if you eventually take out a policy or coverage with them. You don't pay AUI. And AUI is going to get paid whether you pick plan A, B, C, X, Y, or Z. So they don't have a dog in a fight except that they want to advocate for you, get you the best coverage. Sometimes it costs more. Maybe you need X amount of things. You got little kids. You got a comorbidity in the family, something. But they will give you the straight scoop, and they don't have an agenda. So auiinfo.com, people to count on, auiinfo.com. Now, in the faith portion of the podcast today, I wanted to play for you a snippet of 
a member of the public addressing the Upper Arlington School Board. Now, I try not to get extremely political or even moderately political on this show because I understand there are people on both sides of the aisle and you don't want to be worn out with politics. And I try to respect that. I'm playing this for you not solely because of the viewpoint he expresses, but because of how he expresses his viewpoint. I think it's indisputable, whether you're on your right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle, that we're in a very rancorous, angry time in our country. And that's not good for our country. Many different societies in the history of the world have deteriorated at the point in history that this republic, the United States of America, is in right now. We're approaching our 250th anniversary. Rome, the great, you know, when England was a great power. There are a lot of world powers that that's kind of the shelf life on a world power for a lot of different reasons. I, you know, won't get into those reasons here right now, but I certainly think the fact that we're not united, we're not united, we don't have um, shared values. We can look at a videotape of a uh, event that happens on the streets of America in the midst of a riot, and one half of America sees one thing, and one half of America sees another thing. We can listen to the exact same words from a person speaking, and one side of America can think one thing, and one side of America can think another thing. So how do we discuss our differences in a Christ-like way? How do we express ourselves clearly and yet not insult? not marginalize, not demonize other people. I'm not the authority on actually doing it. I can certainly speak to it, but honestly, that is one of my major failures. That is something that I pray about regularly. Lord, help me to express your truth in a way that is pleasing to you and doesn't drive people away from you. So I heard a... Uh, audio tape, actually it was a YouTube video, of a person addressing the Upper Arlington School Board the other night. Now I'm just going to give you the context of the comments so you'll understand what he's speaking about. Upper Arlington has, um, in, in its newest buildings, has done away with boys' restrooms and girls' restrooms. They have unisex restrooms. Boys and girls use the same restroom. They have no urinals. They have floor-to-ceiling stalls with locking doors. This has sparked a great deal of controversy in Upper Arlington. Um, I'll tell you, I think it's a horrible policy. My girls would be completely, um, completely <laughs> horrified by this. But rather than go into you know my objections to it or whatever, they're really irrelevant. For the point I'm trying to make here is the tone, the tone of this person's address to the Upper Arlington School Board, which I think is perfectly Christ-like and demonstrates not just tone for us to emulate, but I think also says something about the role that as men, and most of the listeners to this podcast are men, that we are called to, biblically, biblically called to, not chauvinistically called to, but biblically called to. So here's a snippet of that address. I'll begin by confessing to you that I'm just a bit embarrassed. Um, after listening to one of your students speak to you last month regarding the difficulties she and her classmates have had involving the unisex restrooms in the high school, I'm embarrassed that as a grown, self-respecting man and father of girls who live in this community, I haven't spoken up earlier about this issue. 
In a word, the notion of having school-aged children share restrooms that are unisex and multi-user is insane. Frankly, it's among the more ludicrous ideas I've ever heard ostensibly mature adults advocate. The outcomes your student described, such as embarrassment and intrusion while managing feminine hygiene, general discomfort due to the presence of boys and men in the restrooms, male-created urine messes on the seats, students abusing substances, and student couples being seen in flagrante delicto in the lockable floor-to-ceiling stalls were as predictable as they are lamentable. All right, so there's a portion of what uh, this gentleman said. And, and true confession, this gentleman is a friend of mine. He's a very good friend of mine. He asked for prayer before he went up there. So there's an instructive point, okay? When you have to engage people on topics that could be divisive, ask your friends to pray for you. Ask your friends to pray for you. And I feel like God had his hand on my friend when he spoke there because he spoke with such eloquence and such power, yet with such a measured tone. So that is biblical. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to shout. You don't have to use epithets. You don't have to insult. So I think that's a very good template for us. Um, as for his willingness to do this, I don't know if it was in that clip that I played or not, but he goes on to later say that uh, he's speaking uh, as a father who has children, but he, I know he doesn't have any children who are affected by this particular policy at any of these buildings, but he felt a call on his heart to address this, and he acted on that call. This was not a politically driven um, decision. This was a spiritually driven decision. This was uh, my friend hearing the anxiety in a girl's voice who had addressed the board earlier and doing what a man should do. I, I really am not sorry if that offends you because God ordains the role of protector for men. Protect women. He ordains for mothers to protect their children. So <laughs> this is a biblical role that my friend is filling by stepping in, risking. What all is he risking here? He's, of course, risking because we live in a wax society. He's risking his personal safety. He's risking his safety of his uh, family. He is risking, I think, his position in his profession. He is taking a risk, but he trusts that if God asks him to do this, that he will either shield him from damage or that he will shepherd him through whatever comes from doing the right thing. And so as Chris and I talked about when we started this podcast, we meant it to speak to men to become more accountable, more aware, and more actionable on the duties that God calls us as men. And there is no doubt that God calls us to protect women, to nurture the nurturing is best done, I think, by women. It doesn't mean that we as men can't nurture our children, but I know in my case, my wife is much more gifted for it. He equips men with roles, women with roles, men with gifts, women with gifts. This is not a sexist position. This is a biblical position. There is no one, there is no weaker sex. There is no less significant sex. There is a unique, beautiful, divine partnership in a marriage that God has designed. And it is no coincidence to me at all that this gentleman who spoke is a phenomenal father, a phenomenal husband, 
a phenomenal believer and friend. And this is the template for how we are to engage. Don't shrink from a battle. Andrew Claven, whose podcast I enjoy very much, although as I've said before, I think some of his spiritual applications are questionable. Andrew Claven says, you may lose a fight, but you will never win a surrender. We as men, and I assume if you're listening to this point of the podcast, you are a man who endeavors to live by faith and and live obediently to what God calls us to do. We are not wrong. We are not hateful. We are not spiteful to speak out against the compromises in our culture today against biblical morality. We are not wrong to do that, but we can do it wrong, and I have to really battle not to do it wrong, and that's why I wanted to play for you the words of my friend who I feel did it eloquently and extremely powerfully, and so I want that to encourage you as you um, deal with these issues in your own life because you will deal with these issues in your own life. And you will be called to speak truth in the face of error, in the face of darkness. Um, As Jesus said, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We are called to be salt and light. And I don't have any more eloquent examples of that than what I just played for you with my friend at the Upper Arlington School Board meeting. So... Be devoted in prayer. Um, Ask God what he wants you to do, what he's gifted you to do, what he's calling you to do, and go forth boldly with the knowledge that he will equip you for the battle he has called you to wage. With that, I wish you well. I hope you have a great weekend, great high school football weekend. UA and New Albany, undefeated 12-0, play Friday night at Olentangy Liberty. I've deemed that the battle of the BMWs. We'll see who wins the battle of the BMWs, the battle of Pick Town, Pick Central, and Pick North. The winners of those two games will play next week for birth in the state's Final Four. Shout out to all four of them. Read PressProsMagazine.com for coverage of those games and also of the games in the Mighty Mac, which will win at least one state championship for the 19th year out of 20. Love the high school football. Love college football. OBJ's a Ram. Good luck to you, (laughs) and we'll see you on Monday on the We Tackle Life podcast.